Hi guys, welcome to Back to the Beginning, a podcast by Beginning Boutique where we hit rewind on the lives of all your fave influencers, models, social media gurus and more. So pop on your headphones, turn up the volume because this is your exclusive access to the advice, life lessons and never before heard learnings from our guests. She's the woman who turned a sex tape into an empire, becoming a household name by allowing people a front row view into her own home, and she's the self-proclaimed founder of The Selfie. This week, we're going back to the beginning with Kim Kardashian. Hi guys, welcome to the very first episode of Back to the Beginning, the Kim Kardashian series. Obviously, we don't have Miss Kardashian on the podcast today. That would be very major. And it's only the start of 2023. We have to work our way up to these things. We can't start our year with a life-altering peak like that. But I don't think we need Kim for this episode because you have me. For those of you who haven't listened before, my name is Ivy Mullins. I'm the PR and social coordinator here at Beginning Boutique. I'm also a former journalist. And most importantly, I have been obsessed with the Kardashian dynasty since I was probably in university. I've always been really interested in dissecting pop culture figures and moments in a more nuanced way. And I know people think that Kim Kardashian and her whole clan are just figureheads for the pretty, no talent, famous for nothing club. But I think that by the end of this series, you might change your mind and realize how influential these women, especially Kim, really are. This episode, we're going to go into Kim's upbringing, how she's always truly been in the shadows of the elite and the speculation around the movie that made her famous. But this story doesn't start with Kim. It starts with her parents, Chris and Robert Kardashian. Robert was born into a long-standing, successful family business. His father ran a meatpacking company in California, and it was essentially this business that allowed his family to go from hard-working, lower-class immigrants from Armenia to live among the elite in LA. Robert Kardashian did not go into his family business, and instead he became a lawyer. As we all know, Kim is now following in his footsteps after all these years. But what you guys might not know and what I found out while researching him is during his time as a lawyer and after he actually started several businesses the most notable being R&R Radio and Records which he sold for a reported 12.9 million dollars in 1997. Now Chris was working as a flight attendant when she met Robert at a race course when she was just 17 and Robert was 28 but the pair didn't get married till five years later during which time they dated on and off and Robert actually left Chris at one point for Priscilla Presley, Elvis Presley's daughter. See what I mean about them always just being in elite circles? These two could truly have their own episode, but this episode is not about them. It's about Kimberly Noel Kardashian, who was born on October 21, 1980. Kimberly, come here, get in the picture. Just before Kim was born, Robert and Chris, who had already had their first daughter, Courtney, bought a mansion in the exclusive Beverly Hills cul-de-sac called Tower Lane. It's here the Kardashians really started to sink their teeth into the Hollywood elite dinner party scene. At a time before social media, before being able to check someone's status by a following number, this was really the era of being in the right place at the right time and being invited to the right parties. So Kim grows up in Beverly Hills and she attends the Buckley School for Primary School in 1986. These formative years were some of the most important of her career because this is where she met Paris Hilton, American hotel heiress. 
It's obvious that Kim also knew she had the it factor and knew she was going to be famous because home videos from age 13 record her saying this. Excuse me, are you leaving? Okay, okay. My name's Kim Kardashian. Does everyone get a tape of this? Because I hope you do so you can see me when I'm famous and older and remember me of this beautiful little girl. It was also at this time where Kim entered into her first relationship, as many young preteens do. However, Kim's was probably a bit different to you or I. Her first relationship was with none other than TJ Jackson, who is Michael Jackson's nephew, and they actually dated all the way into Kim's senior year. During her time in primary school, Kim's parents divorced in the March of 1991 and Chris actually remarried Olympic gold medalist Caitlyn Jenner in April of the same year, just one month later. During Kim's time in high school, Robert Kardashian took on the case of his lifelong friend OJ Simpson in 1995, who was accused of murdering his wife and her boyfriend. OJ wasn't just a good friend to Robert though, the whole family had been really close with him and his late wife Nicole. The Kardashian kids reportedly referred to him as Uncle OJ and Chris was also very close with Nicole. Speaking about the case in retrospect, Kim admits her father stepping into a role on OJ's defense team divided her whole family at the time. You know, my mom was extremely vocal on her feelings. You know, she was believed that, you know, her friend was murdered by him and that was really traumatizing for her and then we'd go to my dad's house and it was a whole other situation there and it would be like Johnny Cochran, Bob Shapiro, my dad, like the whole team so we didn't really know what to believe or whose side to take as kids because we didn't want to hurt one of our parents' feelings. The trial was the first time the Kardashian really entered the tabloid media and it provided that beginning foundation of getting that last name out there. It's also important to note the cultural trend of women's bodies at this time. Now, you guys, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying that the notion that women's bodies are treated as a trend should be acceptable. It's just that capitalism, wealth, and the embedded stems of the patriarchy have really made our society that way. And while this episode is about Kim Kardashian, it would be impossible to talk about her career without mentioning how Kim's body has been a pinnacle of conversation in the media since she's been in the public eye. During Kim's youth and her teenage years, many of the most famous women sported the so-called heroin chic look. In the 90s and early 2000s, the media had moved towards glamorizing women like Kate Moss, Jamie King, Jodie Kidd, and Cindy Crawford. Growing up in this era, Kim told Elle magazine that she struggled deeply with comparing her own body to other women that she saw in the magazines. She told Elle that she was unhappy with her body. I developed really early, she said. Every night I would sit in the bathtub and cry. I prayed that my boobs would stop growing. When I read this quote, I was actually so shocked. I feel like because Kim has built her image on being confident and also because she's now the multi-million dollar mogul and she can change her body as she pleases, it's hard to imagine a time where a young Kim was just like so many other women and wasn't comfortable in her own skin. When Kim turned 16, she entered her girlboss era. She was working at a local boutique called Body and she started to accessorize and bling pages, which if you're born in the late 90s, they're like pre-phones. They basically just beeped and showed texts. 
Now, if you'll allow me to digress for just a second, because there are moments where I think, wow, celebrities are really just like us for real. Because when I was in primary school, I guess not dissimilar to Kim, um, I was on my girl boss shit. I used to have really naturally wavy hair or I do have really naturally wavy hair and I used to live near the beach. So I used to fill up plastic water bottles with ocean water, like salt water and sell them at school near my tuck shop for $5 and told girls with straight hair that it would make their hair curly. Um, And just like me, Kim's page a decorating business. It wasn't any kind of revolutionary, crazy success. But it was through this in 1999 when Kim K met her first husband, music producer Damon Thomas. Kim rarely speaks about her first husband. She was 18 and he was 28, 10 years her senior, when they met and eloped in 2000. This is what Kim had to say about her first marriage in an episode of Keeping Up. I got married on ecstasy. Oh, I had no idea. No, the first time. I did ecstasy once and I got married. But the marriage was relatively short, not 72 hours short. We'll get to that marriage later. But articles online suggest the couple separated in 2003 and officially divorced in 2004. Kim since told Harper's Bazaar that she fell into a cycle of relying on her partners. Court documents from 2003 obtained by the Daily Mail detailed Kim alleging Damon was controlling both mentally and physically abusive. In those documents, Kim detailed that when she went to the house that her and Damon had once shared to collect her belongings, he slammed her against the wall and threatened to choke her. He grabbed me by my hair and told me to get out, Kim said. He put one hand against my back and pushed me up the stairs. And then at the top of the stairs, he threw me across the room and I hit my head against the front door. I got up and ran out of the house. I was frightened. Damon, however, denies the claims that he ever physically abused Kim and also denies remembering that she was on drugs when they tied the knot. But Kim didn't have much time to process her marriage coming to an end because in that same year, her father, Robert Kardashian Sr., was diagnosed with esophageal cancer in July and died just two months later in September 2003. Kim was just 22 and still working in her dad's office at the time of his passing. Kim recently went on Angie Martinez's IRL podcast and said this about her late father. I had the best dad and I had the best memories and the greatest experience. After the death of her father, Kim one night was over at her godfather's house who was boxing legend Sugar Ray Leonard. So she was visiting Sugar Ray and his wife Bernadette in their home one evening and Kim mentioned to Bernadette that her closet could use a little clean out. She spent the whole night helping Bernadette, who then in turn went and told all of her friends how amazing Kim was at organizing and cleaning out her closet. Soon, Kim had clients like Cindy Crawford, Serena Williams, Nikki and Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, Nicole Ritchie, and they all sought her organizing services. And while Kim was photographed out with Paris and began getting into a few of the tabloids by association, perhaps her most important client was R&B singer Brandy, because this is where we meet a very pivotal character in this story, Ray J. Now, rapper Ray J was Brandy's younger brother, and at the time of meeting Kim, he'd actually released two of his own albums already, Everything You Want in 1997 and This Ain't a Game in 2001. When Ray J and Kim actually started dating is a little bit murky in their timelines. 
lots of different tabloids have reported different things, but it seems like it was in the 2002 to 2003 sort of timeline and they were both roughly 22. It was likely just after she'd separated from her first husband, Damon Thomas. And in 2004, Kim and Ray J take a trip to Cabo and this is where the infamous tape was recorded. But let's table that for a minute because it doesn't leak straight away. So the tape's recorded in 2004, nothing happens with it. And then in 2006, Kim and Ray J end their relationship. Ray J claimed this was because Kim, along with Courtney, Chloe, and Rob Jr., committed $120,000 US dollars worth of credit card fraud on his mother's credit card. Last year, Ray J told the Daily Mail that apart from them stealing money from his family, they would probably still be together now. He said, and I quote, But when that happened, I said, I don't want to be sleeping around with you no more. You stole money from my family, and that's why we stopped speaking. However, Ray J also co-wrote a book in 2012 called Death of the Cheating Man, where he admitted he was continuously cheating on Kim through the whole relationship. So their demise as a couple may also have something to do with that. Ray J and Brandy's mother officially filed a lawsuit for the alleged credit card fraud in 2008, but the matter was settled out of court in 2009. The Kardashians lawyer claimed the case was always meritless and all four of the siblings denied the unauthorized spending. And of course, while all of this is happening, Kim and Ray J's sex tape was released to the world. As the story goes, after the sex tape was filmed in 2004, a third party somehow obtained the sex tape and in 2007, it was provided to Vivid Entertainment. Allegedly, rumors began to circle that Vivid had obtained the private tape and Kim's then attorney filed a lawsuit against Vivid to try and stop the release. Apparently, it couldn't be stopped and eventually, Vivid, Kim and Ray J came to a deal and Kim Kardashian's superstar, which is what the tape was called, was released on March 21, 2007, and the lawsuit settled on April 27, 2007. How much Kim and Ray J made from the release is unknown, but reports are each party made anywhere between 300 to 500k each at the beginning of the release and then subsequently received a portion of the proceeds, which is reported to be the highest grossing adult film of all time. But the age-old question is how did Viva get this footage? And this is a question that people have speculated over for years. Founder of Vivid Entertainment, Stephen Hirsch, told Page Six in 2017 that the deal was not brokered by Kim or Chris, explicitly noting that when the footage was presented to him, Kim was not involved in it. According to Page Six, Kim and Ray J did both sign off on a deal before the tape could be released, but Stephen maintained that Kim was really fighting against it and that it was a very difficult deal. So Kim and Ray J definitely got their payout, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they brokered a deal. As Stephen Hirsch explained to Vlad TV in 2014, once a celebrity te- sex tape is leaked, the chances are that if they don't go with a production company and entertainment business, it will be leaked online anyway. So they may as well make a buck from it. I think what you see the back and forth in the press is what happens prior to that when somehow a tape does leak or a tape is stolen and it does find its way to my desk. And then we sort of reach out and say, look, we'd like to put this out. And the reality is 
you can decide not to do a deal with us, that's fine. We will walk away and have nothing to do with it. But the Internet's a funny place, and these things seem to find their way out to the Internet ultimately. So why don't you come along for the ride, make some money with it, and perhaps it can enhance your career. So Vivid Entertainment's CEO Stephen Hirsch says that it was a third party. Kim and Chris say that it was a third party that leaked the tape. But Ray J has a different opinion. In April of last year, the Kardashians unveiled a storyline on their new show where Kim was allegedly threatened with the release of unseen footage from that 2004 Carbo sex tape. It said Kim's new sex tape when you clicked on it. And it's like, over my dead body, is this shit gonna happen to me again? I just want it gone. By the third episode, the storyline wrapped up with Kanye allegedly retrieving a hard drive or a laptop of some sort from Ray J's property with the rest of the tape. And they made a massive deal in the episode about how Kanye even flew coach like a normal person to go and retrieve it. After that episode aired, that clip went viral and was posted to Hollywood Unlocked's Instagram where Ray J commented on the official Instagram post and I quote, all of this is a lie, SMH, can't let them do this anymore, so untrue. Ray J claimed that Kanye did come and collect a laptop with intimate images and quote, mini videos, whatever that means, but he was never in the possession of that said tape. In an interview with the Daily Mail, Ray J claimed that from the beginning, the sex tape scandal of Kim Kardashian's superstar had been the biggest lie in the history of the industry of entertainment. In the interview, Ray J said that the sex tape scandal idea came into fruition after Ray J saw how famous Kim's best friend at the time, Paris Hilton, had become after her own tape had been leaked. Now, Ray J claimed the deal was between Kris Jenner, Kim and himself to help boost Kim's career. In that interview with the Daily Mail, Ray J claimed that there were actually three tapes, one filmed in Cabo, one filmed in Santa Barbara, and a third tape that was an intro to the Cabo footage. But it wasn't just Kim who boosted her career with the tape. Ray J released a song in 2013 called I Hit It First, and the music video, which has 17 million views on YouTube, featured a woman who looked a lot like Kim Kardashian. The song features lyrics like, and I quote, she might move on to rappers and ball players, but we all know I hit it first, likely referring to Kim's marriage to NBA player Chris Humphreys and rapper Kanye West. And if that wasn't explicit enough, Ray J toes a line of name dropping even further, saying, I had her head going north, her ass going south, but now baby chose to go west. The video features a recreation of the tape in a hotel room, although the Kim K lookalike is fully clothed in this part of the music video. And other parts of the music video are sort of filmed like a reality TV show with a mock-up of F Network logo in the corner, obviously making reference to keeping up with the Kardashians. Ray J's 2016 song Famous also hints at Kim and suggests again that it was Kim and Chris's idea to release the tape. These lyrics are pretty graphic so I'll be using substitute words for some of it but you get the gist and you can go and listen to the song if you're interested. Um, so he says she effed me for fame look in her eyes she was the first one to sign on the line she was the real one to plan it all out look at the family they walk around proud all because she had my blank in her mouth. So despite using the tape's release as the basis for two of his hit singles 
In that tell-all interview to Daily Mail, Ray J said that the release of the tape had destroyed his career and his livelihood. He said that he was left suicidal as he watched the Cardena family create an empire from a supposed lie. He said, As a black man living and working in America, it's hard to get up every day and look out at the water or look at my family and know they think something about you when you know it's a thousand percent the other way. How do you live like that? He said, I couldn't be part of any reputable major network television show and do Dancing with the Stars, do America's Got Talent or anything like that because of my image. Because of what they made me, I'm not allowed to be in those places. There is obviously so much going on here. There's a lot of conflicting claims and it's quite a messy timeline. So I'm going to speculate, and this is all going to be speculation, and break down possible scenarios that I think could be true in relation to this um, and what I think possibly could have played out in the early months of 2007 all the way into 2008. As Chris Jenner would say, This is a case for the FBI. So essentially, I think there are four main things that could have happened here. The first is that a third-party person really did obtain the footage and give it to Vivid, who in turn then made a deal with Kim and Ray J, because if someone else had the footage already, they could have leaked it themselves, so they may as well have made money off it. The second option is that in retaliation for Kim allegedly making unauthorized payments on his mother's credit card and in an attempt to boost his own career, Ray J leaked the tape and then pretended like it was brought to Vivid by a third party. The third option is that Kim, with or without Ray J, took the sex tape to Vivid in order to boost her own career and get her name out there. Um, And the fourth option is that Ray J, Kim and Chris all work together to do this as a team. We know that Kim loves a PR move now, but even at this time, she was no stranger to stirring the pot in order to up her own profile. In 2006, the year before the tape was released, Kim was spotted with American singer Nick Lachey, fresh off his marriage with Jessica Simpson. The two were papped innocently on their way to the movies, but Nick said in an interview with Andy Cohen years later that the pics were maybe not as accidental as they seemed. He said, She left about halfway through and went to the restroom, and then shockingly, there were 15 paparazzi when we left the theatre. I think that there were other things in play on our little rendezvous. So it's clear that Kim always knew what she wanted, but was it enough to release footage of her private intimate moment with her boyfriend at the time. I wish I had the answer and unfortunately I think it's something that we'll probably never know the true extent of. But regardless, I think it is important to note that as an African-American man, Ray J didn't reap the same benefits as Kim did and hearing the prejudice he faced following the Tate's release is of course a reflection on the racial climate that America continues to struggle in back then and today. In the same breath, though, if Kim didn't release the tape, she truly did turn a violation of her privacy into an empire. She showed other women that revenge porn doesn't have to be the end of your career. And instead of letting the public tear her to shreds or shame her for being sex positive, Kim and Chris rode the backbone of that sex tape fame and broke a deal with a man named Ryan Seacrest for a little show called Keeping Up With the Kardashians. Welcome to my family. Hi, Kim Ryan. I'm Kim Kardashian. There's a lot of baggage that comes with us. 
but it's like Louis Vuitton baggage. You always want it. Now, at the time of Kim's tape's release, Ryan Seacrest had been looking for a family to repeat the success of the MTV's The Osborne, which followed heavy metal singer Ozzy Osbourne and his family. In an interview with Orth Living, Ryan said he loved watching the Osbournes and after the final episode aired in 2005, it got him thinking about who the next reality TV family could be. He said, We went to some casting directors in LA and said, we're interested in meeting families who want to be on a series or are interested in being in the world of television. The Kardashians were interested. Ryan said they trialed shooting some footage of the Kardashians during a weekend barbecue and he said the footage was perfect. They ran the tape straight to the E! Network. And the first episode of Keeping Up With The Kardashians aired on October 14, 2007. The first episode didn't shy away from reminding people of why the Kardashian name might have sounded familiar, with the very first drama on the show being that Tyra Banks wanted Kim on her talk show and one of the things she would need to talk about was the sex tape. Going back and watching season one now is so interesting. Like watching these young women being filmed for a show they don't even really know will be successful with so much confidence and unwavering disregard for the cameras. It's so impressive. Like th- these cameras have just come newly into their home and already they're just there to perform. Most of the first season does follow the girls as they navigate owning their store called Dash, which opened in 2006. This was like a clothing store that Courtney, Chloe, and Kim owned and operated in Calabasas. And the first season also heavily focuses on Kim and Chris's relationship as both mother and daughter and talent and manager. This is the season where Kylie gets on the stripper pole. Kim ums and ahs about whether she will or won't do the topless Playboy photo shoot. Eventually she does. Courtney and Scott get into a bunch of arguments. And the whole of the first season really just feels like a bunch of premonitions of what is to come. But I'm sure even someone as optimistic as Mumager Kris Jenner could never in her wildest dreams have predicted what the years after this first season would bring. Kim was hoping for all eyes on her and that is exactly what she got. It looks like Kim may have reduced the size of her implant. There is some major drama going on between Kim and Kanye on social media. Kim Kardashian is already a billionaire, but she and her kids are already making major moves to make some more money. You don't know Kim Kardashian? Kim Kardashian basically is a very famous person. Mom, is she a singer? Is she a doctor? No, is she? That's hard to explain. Kim Kardashian is speaking out against Balenciaga's recent ad. Kim Kardashian does not look like this anymore. The internet cannot get enough of Kim Kardashian's new hair. Kim Kardashian is obsessed with dead people and buying their clothes. Does anyone disagree that this is the best that Kim Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Back to the Beginning. In part two of Back to the Beginning with Kim Kardashian, we will discuss her 72-day marriage to Chris Humphreys, her whole story with Kanye West, the Parisian robbery that changed her life, and how the changes in her body represents the true astronomical wealth she's attained over the years. If you liked this episode, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, It really helps the podcast grow, and I would love it also if you could share it on your story so we can reach more people that are interested thank you so much guys and i'll see you next time